NHL teammates for 13 seasons. Now back together as on-air teammates. You are listening to the Cass and Juice podcast. Hockey, life, and other stuff. Here are your hosts, Ryan Kessler and Kevin Bieksa. Episode 9, we're back. Kess and Juice. I'm Kess, your co-host. The best-looking American silver medalist of all time. And with me is uh, my my counterpart from Canada, Kevin Bieksa. What's up, Juice? <laughs> Do you think if we did the whole show that way, people could figure it out? 100%. Yeah. I don't think so. I don't think so. No. I don't know why. I think people... I think people now, because you and I have been together for so long, I think they mixed us up all the time in person, on the air, whatever. And I'll tell you what, I ran into Gary Batman at the All-Star game and he said something to me and he's like, yeah, you said this once upon a time. And I, and I remember thinking, there's no chance that was me. He thinks I'm Kess right now, for sure. <laughs> Seriously? And I'll tell you a little bit later, and I'm like, I didn't say that, and I'm, I'm guaranteeing in the back of my head, you said it in the media, and he thought it was me. Ah, Gary, Gary, Gary. Think about all the things you've said about Gary in the media. <laughs> Have you said a anything lot. about him? A lot, yeah. Yeah. I, off the top of my head, I can probably think 10 times where you know, I don't agree with the way the league's going or what they're doing. A hundred percent. But uh, how are you doing? You good? <laughs> Change the subject. I, I want to hear you talk more about that. He's I, actually. I can't, I can't get fined right now, can I? He's a, he's. A, no, <laughs> you don't even play. You can't. I don't think you can get fined on the long term IR. Maybe. maybe <laughs> I don't know. I like to see. I hope Gary listens to this and finds you for hey, <laughs> for speaking my mind. <laughs> you're not allowed to speak your mind on first guy in history get fined on a long-term ir <laughs> oh god that'd be hilarious first time suspended did you uh watch the super bowl yesterday i did i did it was a uh it was game was unreal it lived up to expectations once again my home came from uh came came from behind how did you enjoy it Good. I just wa it was quiet. I didn't have uh I think you had people over you said, but we just just me and Katie and the kids and so I actually watched the game for you know how many times we've watched Super Bowl over the years and you're at a bar, you're at somebody's house or whatever, and you got like the squares going, you got all the little gambling things. Mm -hmm. You don't actually watch the game, right? Yeah. But I watched the game like every play because if we were lying on the couch and we you know we all watched the commercials together and it was kind of the first in depth Super Bowl I watched and it was interesting because there was some momentum shifts, right? Like there was a time where I thought San Fran was going to blow them out and then KC got going and I'm like, wow, this is going to be a blowout. And then the start of the second half, San Fran came back at them. It was, it was a great game, I thought, back and forth. Yeah, I kind of, uh, I watched it, but I didn't watch it like you were saying. It was just 30 people over and squares going and, and that's flying around with, commercials and God knows what. So I watched it, but I didn't pay close attention like you did. Favorite thing to bet on quickly for you for the Super Bowl. Is it the score? Is it the coin toss? Is it the color of the Gatorade? What else is there? I like first commercial. 
that's my favorite one. It gets it gets the girls involved. It gets everybody involved, right? So everybody throws in ten bucks, and um, you get fifteen people in there, and someone wins money. So um, you know, Bud Light was the first one. I didn't win. I didn't win anything yesterday. We'll also hit on pretty emotional week with the Kobe Bryant incident. And, um, you know, we both have our feelings about that and it hit everybody in a different way, but certainly hit, hit you and I pretty deep, just being like a fellow athlete competitor, one of those guys where you felt like he was immortal and above accidents like this, right? Yeah, for sure. He was, uh, I, I would call him an idol of mine. Like we, uh, we grew up with him. He was, he was a guy that he was an ultimate competitor. Um, you know, but he was more than just an athlete. Um, you know, the person he was off, off the court. Um, I think I heard he knows like three or four languages and, and, uh, he wanted to be more successful after his career than he was, uh, during, and he wanted to be more than just a basketball player, which is, you know, you got to respect that, you know? Yeah. And somehow we'll jump from that back into the battle of Alberta because there's been just firecrackers since, since our interview with Cassian a couple of weeks ago. And there's just uh, the last two games. I, I watched both of them. They've just been so entertaining and there's so much going on there. And there's uh, the game within the game is on full display and, and, you know, maybe you you could probably give some perspective on what's going on inside each dressing room and, and how they're feeling and what they're thinking, and that that'll be a fun one to talk about for us. Yeah, uh, I uh, those are the games you remember, right? Like like the line brawls and the uh, the goalie fights. Those are the ones that will stick with you for the rest of your life. And um, you don't remember every game, but you definitely remember, remember those. And, and it's like you said, it's on full display right now and it's exciting hockey to watch. And some of those games that we had over the years, our, uh, guest today was on the bench and he was the, uh, assistant coach and penalty kill coach and defense coach for most of them. Uh, Rick bonus is going to join us. And we've made mention over the last week, he's, uh, both of our unanimous favorite coach of all time. We've had some good coaches over the mm-hmm. years, right? Yeah. He's together. The, he's the favorite. Putting it all together, right? Putting together yeah. hockey knowledge, like passion, um, like, you know, how good of a, you know, system guy he was, how he, I think mostly how he managed personalities was probably his biggest asset. A hundred percent. He, uh, he's a good human and, uh, as well as a great coach. So looking forward to talking to Bones here on episode nine coming at you. So the Battle of Alberta cast is, is back in full force here for the first time since, I don't know, like from what I can remember, like the Gretzky era, like the 80s, maybe early 90s. And two games since the big one where the, the casting to Chuck fight that kind of started this whole thing off. And then they take a little break over the All-Star weekend. And then the first game back for Edmonton is, is Wednesday. And did you watch that game? The one in Edmonton the one with the goalie fight or the casting no, fight for the first one right where you the knew, first one yeah i think uh, to chuck fights him because he listens to Kess and juice and he heard you call him obviously out he had right? to fight him uh then we all thought it was over with which i mean i think that uh i think it's water under the bridge between those two guys but i don't think that that's the last time they're going to fight and and you know what i think it it boiled over to the rest of the team and and uh you know, it's 
everybody's walking on a fine line in that in that uh rivalry right now and i love it yeah like uh i think Brian Burke or somebody made mention that when Parrish and some of the league officials come to the game, they almost create more energy and more, you know, anxiousness and, and almost put everybody on edge so much that, you know, the thing that kicked that game off for me was the Nugent Hopkins Monaghan fight, right? Like everybody's wound so tightly on both sides and they're like, Oh my God, casting the chucker in a fight. There's all this like drama between the two of them and everyone else is fired up. Monaghan's never fought before. And Nugent Hopkins, he's got, what, <laughs> two or three? Those guys had an unbelievable fight. Yeah. Kick it all off. Like, that got everybody going, right? Like, when your two skill guys that never fight have a huge toss-up right in front of both benches, if you're on the bench on either team, like, you're you're fucking fired up, right? Like, you want to go out there and go through the wall for somebody. <laughs> no? A hundred percent. If someone did that and I was standing on the bench, I would... <clears throat> I, yeah, I, I think, you know what I would do juice. I would, well, it happened in Calgary when, when all you guys fought, um, I was pumped up and I tried to break uh Monahan's wrist off, off the face off the next ship because, uh, <laughs> I felt like those guys, you know, you know, it was, it was wrong what they did and, and they kind of, uh, I want to say pick up picked on a rookie i don't know if you can pick on a guy that's six five but it was his first game and you know if you're gonna do that i'll go after your skill guy right that's that's this the is the Cal- you're then. talking about the you're talking about the calgary line brawl yeah yeah the calgary yeah with torch yeah that's what i'm referring to thanks for playing that think out. about though think about if hank or danny grabbed bowling and beat the wheels off him or something like that right in front of the bench like that would fire up the whole team where you would be going out <laughs> you would go out looking for be- something wouldn't you Oh, I'd love it. It would, it would get me so fired up. I'm, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. So I think like both sides of like both teams in the dressing room before that game starts, I think everyone's fired up. I don't mm-hmm. think it's just Cassian and Tachuk like everybody thought. And Tachuk, I was told, wanted to fight off the opening faceoff. I think he tried to talk to Cassian and warm up. And that's my intel. I got some good intel on this. <laughs> I got I got some people here, and they told me that he tried to fight him right off the bat. And Cassian said, "Nope, nope," like and made him wait a little bit until they squared off. I think at the end of the first period there, and let the kid kind of sit on it a little bit, let the nerves and anxiety build oh, up. Yeah. That's that, actually that's a good a mood. Move. That's a good move by Cass because <sighs> to Chuck was probably he was nervous for sure. He was nervous. Um, and he wanted to get it out of the way right away so he could play hockey. And, and uh, I love that cast at that. It was uh, it was a good veteran move, like you said. The thing that happens in those fights, because they're so anxious, is usually they fall early. And you could tell Cass wanted to just hold him up a little longer, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. He's just kind of trying to hold him. He threw a couple <laughs>, laughs, and he's like, don't fall, don't fall. don't." Like he, he just wanted to get a couple tee-offs on his head. Just just holding the poor kid up. <laughs> And then they win in a shootout. Calgary wins in a shootout. And Riddick, do you see the guys? Tell me you saw his celebration. Yeah, what was that celebration all about? I don't know, but I, I kind of, when I'm watching it, I thought it was pretty funny, right? Because he was pumped up because they won and it was a big win. But, uh, but then I heard he threw his stick, right? He tossed his stick up in the air and he stared down whoever the last shooter was. I think it was Dreisaitl and then celebrated with his team. Huge win, emotional game. I get that, but then after the game, Drysaddle goes, 
we hit two posts in the shootout. Two guys hit two posts, and this guy is celebrating like he won the Stanley Cup. That's what Dreisaitl said, and which I thought, <laughs> which I thought was a hilarious interview. And then they it's go back. And isn't that isn't karma a bitch though when that happens? Oh yeah. So next game, they come out in Calgary, and Edmonton just comes out, and you could tell their whole team wants to just stick it to Riddick and mm-hmm. stick it to Calgary. And there's the, the the goalie fight, and they end up winning the game eight three and just pumping them. But the 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 goalie fight, like again, yeah, was that that was Talbot, right? That wasn't. It, it was that, Talbot who played in Edmonton last year, and Smitty mm-hmm. who played in Calgary last but year. Like if if Talbot does that to you, Juice, with his blocker, would you not? I can see your face, and I can see you throwing guys off you just to get to him. Like you would snap. That's such a, yeah. You know what I was going to say. That's that's a, yeah. That's well. Gagne Gagne started that whole thing. Gagne pitch forked him, and then he just blockered Gagne in the face. A, a Isn't that a suspension when a goalie blockers someone? I don't know. It's like hitting somebody with a weapon, right? I I like it personally. Like if if it's my goalie, like I love it. The kids that I coach, I always tell my goalies, if they're coming to the net hard, get your glove up or get your blocker up and put it right in their face. I love it when goalies fuck that. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't want it, like you said, done to me. I think I'd probably snap, but I love it when a goalie sticks up for himself. And, and we, we both know Smitty, right? Yeah. Like We both know mm-hmm. Smitty off the ice. He's just looking for a reason to fight somebody. <laughs> right? <laughs> he, uh, he dusted him. Like... Smitty's a wild card, right? Like, oh, he's one. He has the reach, and he's yeah. I'm like you said, he's a wild card, and you can tell he's boxed before. Um, and he just dusted him like Talbot dusted, or Talbot got dusted. You you could see it in, in Smitty's eyes, but the the part that. Is also kind of funny is Darnell Nurse is kind of like in the middle directing traffic and then he sees Smitty come to center ice and stand there and he actually like talks to Cal, uh, Talbot and says, hey, look, go fight him. Go fight him. And he's kind of like matchmaker, like Chuck Woolery from Love Connection, right? <laughs> and he's like, go fight Smitty at center ice, which I think is hilarious because he played with Talbot last year and he knows that Smitty's going to dust him. But good for Talbot. Talbot's a yeah. good... And actually, you know what? Nurse and Talbot are both Hamilton guys. I've skated with both those guys before in the summer, so they know each other. So good for Talbot. He knew he was going to lose the fight, and he still went up and stuck up for himself and his team. So like once again, I love both sides of this. It's awesome for the game. I love goalie fights. There's, there's not much better, especially a good one like that. That one, there was just haymakers being thrown. But uh, just so you know, you cannot a goalkeeper keeper cannot use his blocker to punch an opponent in the head or face <laughs> thanks <laughs> thanks tips and and you, he's supposed to be given a match penalty so there you go uh you know what tell me if tell me if you disagree with this comment i think the whole nhl is fired up right now because of the battle of alberta i'm watching the carolina hurricanes and the vancouver canucks game yesterday and two teams where you would think there would be three combined hits in the game these guys, it was a chippy, chippy, dirty game. I, I swear, I bet you the whole NHL is watching this Battle of Alberta, and they're like, this is fucking awesome right now. I want in on it. And they're, everyone's playing a little extra hard. Everyone's being a little extra chippy. 
And this is just the perfect time of the season because down the stretch, all these games are so important, right? All the games that you thrived in. You know what? Like, I think the NHL is kind of doing it backwards, in my opinion. Like, that's what sells the game, right? Are game intense games like that, and they're trying to figure out how to get more goals. Like, no one likes six five. Like, let's uh. Let's focus on the fighting a little bit more, but that's just my old school mentality. Like, creates rivalries. Remember when we used to play Colorado like eight or nine times a year? That was back in the day, like what, 10 years ago? And that created rivalries between your own division, which is, can you imagine playing a team in a division eight, eight or nine times? Well, that's what they did with the playoff format. They tried it. Now you have to get out of your division before you can move on, right? So you basically have to build your team, much like the NFL. You got to build your team based on who's in your division. Mm-hmm. So if you're in the Pacific, if you're in the Pacific and you're playing against Vegas, San Jose, uh, Calgary, like you're, there's a lot of big boys, right? You got some big boy yeah. hockey. Mm-hmm. But if you're in the Atlantic, you got Tampa, Toronto, Montreal. You, you know, Boston's a tough team, but you got smaller, skilled, more skilled mm-hmm. teams. You're building your team basically based on your division. I think. Yeah, yeah, I I agree with you. I th- but you know I think you got to look at the big picture too. I mean, if you are one of the top teams, you just can't build your team to get out of your division. You got to build it to to go all the way too, and you got to be able to play those small skills teams. And you know I think that's that's where Anaheim's going now, right? They're they're going away from being the big bag ducks, and same with LA too. You can say that about them too and they're they're going smaller skill because you look at the the their division it's and and you look at the way the league's trending it's all you know speed and skill there's no grit 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 anymore so talk about like like last lastly talk about how how you're feeling in the dressing room remember we used to do ducks kings right when both teams were sick and we used to have super physical games you basically used to battle for the Pacific Division. Before the game, you're sitting at your stall or you're walking into the arena. You're at Staples Center. You're walking down the tunnel there. What are you thinking before the game? Like, I'm thinking, I'm sitting there and I'm like, this is game time. Like, I'm kind of like a little nervous energy. You know, I'm excited. I'm like fired up. I'm ready to fight anybody in the whole city. I'm ready to like shoot the puck. I'm Even ready the to- staff down below, eh? <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna win this game and then we're gonna fight our way out of this building. <laughs> All those dormant stupid purple coats on or blue coats that they have down there. <laughs> but but that's but that's what brings out the best in you, right? Like that's when you yeah. played your best against the Kings. Those 100%. games where it was guys are trying to kill you, you're trying to kill Dustin Brown and Kopitar and whoever else. Yeah, and I think that's what's missing with the younger younger kids coming in now, right? I mean they don't understand how important those games are. It's they're four point games and you got to, you got to make it to playoffs and then you got to fight your way out of your division. And you're probably going to play one of your toughest rivalries. And we always, we seem to play, uh, who do we play every year? It was Calgary. So we always had to play Calgary and we always, we dusted them every year. And it's just, Early on in my career, I didn't realize the importance of like divisional rivalry games. And, you know, once you, once you see how intense they are, I loved them. I mean, I, I thought 
I thought you played some of your best hockey when when the game was intense and there was just a rival rivalry between two teams. Well, that's where you create your legacy as a player, I think, in those games. That's what you were remembered for, right? We're remembered for our games against Calgary, against San Jose, against Chicago, against Boston. Like that's where you that's where we're remembered, and that's where we we're at our best. But Battle of Alberta continues. Uh, I, I told you the rest of the league is picking up on it. They want in. They, everybody I wants want their in. own. Everyone wants their own rival. You want in. I. We all want in. So let's find another podcast to get a dust up in. <laughs> we gotta. We gotta get somebody else on this podcast, and we gotta plant the seed. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome, yeah. NHL. We started this. You're welcome, Gary. <laughs> So, Kat, so I'm walking through the lobby in St. Louis, and I'm, and I'm about to check out. I come down to the lobby, and there's a TV on in the lounge. And I walk by, and I read the caption at the bottom right away. And, and Cole's with me, too. And right away, I want to hear what, what your first – you kind of told us what your first reaction was, but felt like I got punched, punched in the stomach right away, right? And obviously didn't, didn't know him, saw him around a little bit, but he's one of those guys where you just thought he was immortal. Right, because of what he did on the court, because of what he accomplished already off the court in a short couple years retired. Like I, I'm looking at his accomplishments here. There's too many to read. Like this guy, 18 time MVP, uh, NBA All Star, five time NBA champion, two time Finals MVP. Like it goes on and on. Like slam dunk contest champion, wins an Oscar, father of four girls. Right? It's just too much, and it's like it's hard to think about. And you said that you kind of burst into tears. I was. I was in and out of tears all day long and I'm not an emotional guy. Like when, you know, I've been through some tough times in life. I don't show emotion too often, but this is something that really resonated with me and, and you were the same, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was, like I said, I was out shoveling snow and, and my wife told me and um, yeah, I burst into tears. And, and to be honest, I've, I've been stuck in this Kobe vortex of, of looking at, past interviews and, and, uh, you know, teams honoring him, not just in, in basketball, but hockey, tennis, golf, uh, soccer overseas. Um, it's not just, he brought a world together. He just didn't bring the, the United States together. And, and for me, it was, uh, I didn't know him. I was at a couple events with them, um, seeing them in passing with living by them. But, uh, you know, for the past couple of days, I've just been trying to figure out, like, why why is this hitting me so hard? And I think you hit the nail on the head. He was, he was larger than life. He was, he was an and unbelievable how- competitor. He was a, he was a father of four girls. And, just from talking to people that know him and, and listening to interviews, um, he was a family man and his girls were everything to him. And, you know, I can't imagine how not only him, but the other um, seven passengers and, and their families, how they feel. Um, it just, it, it was a sad day for, for sports, not just basketball. And I think it was it, the way it happened. It was just such a tragic event, right? It's not like he died of old age or, you know, he was by himself. So tragic. I mean, like he, he would go trick-or-treating in my neighborhood every Halloween with his kids, his girls when they were younger. I, everyone in my neighborhood speaks so highly of him. 
you know, we go, like I said, we go to the same breakfast place. The owner there just loves him, you know, like a guy who just treated people the right way and obviously a, a tremendous athlete. And I guess his wife and him never flew together though. That's what one of my, my people were telling me here that they, they much like our friends, right. That we went yeah. to Italy, mm-hmm. they don't fly together until the kids are a certain age, just in case there was ever an accident. So it was kind of one of those things. I mean, there's no silver lining here, but, and I mean, his wife not being on the, the helicopter is we're all glad for, but yeah. one of the, one of those things, like, it's just so hard. Like I'm, I was like you, Cole and I are sitting in the hotel and we're watching Kobe highlights and we're watching interviews and we're watching, I mean, the games that were on and how they're all taking the 24 second violation to start the game in honor of him. And it's so hard to like watch it and listen and it hurts so bad that I, I just stop looking because you, you just don't want to subject yourself to that pain over and over. It's like one of those things in life where it just doesn't make any sense and you just can't keep looking at it because it makes you feel so shitty. So I just, I had to stop looking at Kobe highlights for a while. Yeah. It's like you get, you get buried in a rabbit hole of Kobe interviews and, and it's, uh, yeah, you can't stop looking and, and then you, uh, start crying again and and like i said i didn't know him but like he was a hero to me um you know larger than life figure um you know just the way he competed and and how he how he was on and off the court is probably what i i looked up to the most right um he wasn't just a, a great athlete he he was a great human being and you know i think that smile and and uh you know, just the way he treated everybody was was the right way and, and something that, you know, I want to strive for in my life. Okay, let's try to change the topic and, and, and cheer everybody up and, and talk about All-Star Game a little bit. Did you watch any of it? You said Riker did, right? <laughs> did I watch any of it? I, I, I sat down and watched with Riker three times and, and the results never changed. Um <laughs> Pacific still won five four in the final game, and and uh, so you did watch same, it. Same jokes over and over again. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. So <laughs> they made me. Uh, they didn't make me. They requested that I go on ice. This is I the saw. thing I was the most nervous about the whole weekend. As they said, we got special clearance from the NHL, and you're going to go on ice, and you're going to skate around, and you're going to interview the guys while they're actually warming up for the skills. Right? I'm like. Oh, fuck, are you kidding me? Like they're like, yeah, bring your skates. So I bring my skates begrudgingly. I'm hoping they're going to forget about this idea and, and move on to something else. So, so they're like producers like, nope, you're doing it. Like it's going to be great, uh, but you're going to be live. And I'm like, oh, perfect. More pressure. Right? So I go on, I put my skates on, I have the track suit on I'm on the bench and I got my earpiece in and I'm just waiting for instruction and nobody really knows what's going on. So the players kind of get introed. And I'm just kind of looking at some guys trying to figure out a plan in my head, like who I'm going to go to, like some of the guys I already know, some of the guys I've already spoke to. And all of a sudden, producer goes, go. And then all I hear in my earpiece, uh, like Ron McClain go, and now we're down to the ice level to Kevin. And I'm standing in the middle of the ice, and there's nobody around me. And they're like, Kevin, how's it going down there? And I'm like, oh, it's good. And then my producer in my ear is like, go find somebody. Go skate skate, skate close to somebody. And so I'm like wheeling around the ice trying to find somebody to talk to. Cause I'm live. Right. And, and Patty Kane skates by me and I go, uh, Patty, but like he sees me talking on a mic with skates on. He's like, what the fuck is this guy doing? Right. 
So he kind of like looks at me, but like and smiles and keeps skating. So I actually grab him by his jersey and I stop him like in his tracks. And he kind of like stumbles a bit and he's like laughing. And, he's, and I'm like, hey, uh, and I start asking him a couple questions. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, like, what are you doing? And then I'm like, okay, back up to you, Ron. And he goes, no, 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 we're staying with you. Go find somebody else. I'm like, fuck, perfect. So then I go around and, and luckily, I think Pedersen was close to me and I grab him and he started juggling the puck or whatever. And that was, people seemed to like that. So anyways, I get through that, go back to my, my regular job. And then the next day I come in for the all-star game and they're like, hey, Kev, you're going to do it again. And I'm like, oh, are you kidding me? Like I finally like got through it. So they're like, same thing. Teams are going to come on, take a picture, and then you're going to jump on the ice and you're going to talk to a couple guys. But now there's new rules. You can only go in the neutral zone. They don't want you skating in the zone because they want guys to warm up. And I go, but what if I'm skating with somebody and they go into the, the end zone? They're like, well, then you're allowed to. I go, so there's all these rules and like guidelines for me, right? But it doesn't matter. You can do whatever you want. Probably. So I'm like, yeah. think, so, so I go in the room, I'm talking to a couple guys and then I'm on the bench, same thing, just waiting for instruction, not knowing what's going on. And they want me to like talk to Chuck, right? Because the whole Edmonton Calgary thing. And he was kind of one of the main guys for the weekend. And so I'm on the bench and Perron's helmet's right in front of me. So I'm like, I'm going to put this helmet on. So I put his helmet on with his tinted visor and I started like, go. And I start skating around with this stupid visor on and I grab him right away. And then they're like, okay, next guy, grab, grab someone. So the same thing to Chuck's going by. I'm like, Hey, Hey Matt, Hey Matt. And he obviously listens to Kess and Juice podcast and he's just ghosting me hard. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like Matthew. And I yell a little bit louder. And then same thing. I reach out and I grab him by like the back of his Jersey, like twist his Jersey and pull him into me. And I go, I've been trying to grab you for three years and I finally got you now. <laughs> <laughs> So he's like, yeah, yeah, okay. And then I go, and then I asked him, like, I'm like, oh, yeah, you're having a lot of fun this weekend, blah, 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 and asked him a couple questions. But anyways, that was kind of my two on-ice experiences that were so friggin' embarrassing, but I'm sure Riker saw them. Besides that, it was a fun weekend, though, right? Like, it's yeah. it's cool to do that. You enjoy that? I Yeah, I enjoy it. Uh, I think Brett Hall was a bit of a beauty, right? Because they had some honorary <laughs> coaches. And he yeah, was, always. he was one of them. So I kind of got to, to hang out with him, but you know what? Like there's people are never going to be super happy with everything. So there's some people that complained about the shooting stars event. There's some people that complained about some things, but at the end of the day, Cole comes every year and his buddies come and they have an absolute blast. So it's for the kids. Like we have to remember that it's not for yeah. the hockey fans, right? No, it's not it's for the diehards. The kids love it. Mm-hmm. Like the players are so receptive to the fans and they give so much, and you know what it's like, like it's a little mm-hmm. bit of a pain in the ass to get there. It's a little bit of pain in the ass, all the uh, things they ask you to do. But once you're in the moment, like all the players are so good with the fans and the kids and that's what yeah, it's all about. Because you're, you're torn, right? You know, when I went, I had a bunch of family and friends come down and you're torn because the league wants you to do all this media and the teams want you to do media. And then, then your family you know, my family flew cross country. So, you know, you want to spend time with them. So it is a lot, but always you never hear any guys complain about it. A couple guys that kind of impressed me a little bit. Yeah. Who impressed you? Well, fuck, I hate to say it, but to Chuck, to Chuck, actually, <laughs> he really impressed me. I thought they did a really good job with him, his dad and, and Brady kind of tying that all in. 
but he was he was a good interview like he wasn't a boring interview he did a ton of media and he actually played really well in the game right so he he impressed yeah. me a little bit he impressed me too in the game the van kids impressed me like Pedersen was in his second game so i knew he'd be more comfortable but Quinn Hughes looked really good for how nervous he was before yeah Marky. that's that's Riker's screensavers no is uh Quinn Hughes he took me off and put him on so <clears throat> that was humbling. I think he's forgetting about me. You're you're replaced. Replaced by I was a kid. replaced by a kid, a 19 year old. Is he 19 he, yet? He's 21. He just he's 21. 21 yeah. No. No. Sorry, Quinn Hughes. I don't know. Pedersen's 21. Quinn's probably 20, 21. 19, 20. Yeah. Right around there. Uh, actually, Huberdo impressed me. Barzell impressed me. Yeah, he's fast. Eh? Yeah, he was. He. Uh, you can tell the first game definitely didn't impress me at all. I was like, what is going on here? Like, guy's not trying. Um, the pace was so slow. And then when Pacific played the central, it picked up. And then the final game, it really picked up. I enjoyed watching the final game. Well, hold, hold the one time. <laughs> he's going uh, – he's, he's an entertaining guy. I think there's some clips on NHL.com of, of him and his commentary. But he goes uh, – a bunch of guys come on. He was coaching the central. So, like, all the St. Mm-hmm. Louis guys – um, all those guys said again, trying to think of who some of their big guns were, Josie, but he got the guys come off and he goes, Hey guys, he goes, you're not going to work harder. I'm just going to go to a restaurant and get myself a petit filet instead for 70 bucks. <laughs> the guys are looking at him like, what the hell are you talking about? He goes, yeah, you could, why don't you try or I'll go get myself a filet. <laughs> <laughs> what other, what other, uh, funny stories do you have from that weekend? Not oh, to put Jen know. a spot. No, no, I know. There was, there was a bunch. Um, I mean, just uh, it's funny because there's cameras in the dressing room, right? Like, you know, but mm-hmm. the, the players don't know where they are. Like, they basically monitor the whole dressing room. So I'm watching the monitor for Sportsnet, and they're just focusing on the whole Edmonton-Calgary thing. So every time they had McDavid and Dreisaitl on the one side of the room besides, uh, beside the Vancouver guys, and then they had – Giordano and to Chuck on the other side and Giordano's great right like he's good with everybody yeah. mm-hmm. but there's obviously a little bit of a dynamic there between to Chuck still and those guys so to Chuck came over and and this is all on the monitors and I'm just sitting there watching like you guys are exploiting this rivalry like no oh, like, nope. 100% and I watch and like they have him and McDavid have a conversation it looks fine looks good cordial and then like dry sidle and to Chuck nothing like nothing and they actually hooked up for a really nice goal in the game and then and they he just, didn't celebrate. They didn't even look at each other. Forget about celebrate. They wouldn't even look at each other. <laughs> and I think yeah. Kess and Jew's yeah. podcast has has a big hand in that. Uh, yeah, obviously. I'm blaming Everybody. you. Well, I blame you for the incident. You can blame me for the comments on why they hate each other. Deal? Okay. You can lead a horse to water, but I didn't force anyone to do anything. Imagine if the NHL hired us. Ratings would be through the roof. Oh, I got put another mics th- on every single guy and put it on pay-per-view just to hear everybody talk. <clears throat> all the chirping that goes on, all the, hey, buddy, how's it going? That's what you're going to hear now. Hey, buddy, how's it going? How's your summer? Good? Oh, okay. Yeah, you want to cut okay. a deal? No? Okay. Guys cut deals all the time out there. Don't hit me. I won't hit you. Phil Kessel, right? Yeah. Phil Kessel's finest. Don't hit me. I'll hit you. Deal cutter. Deal cutter. Center, <laughs> center ice to start the game. 
You don't hit me and I won't back check, all right? Deal? <laughs> yeah, got it, bud. So anyways, for all the people who are, uh, you know, talking about the All-Star game that didn't like it, just keep in mind, you know, it's for the kids. That new event, the um, shooting stars where they shot off the platform. That, that was interesting, right? Like, that's a little bit of a novelty kind of carnival game type thing, which they admitted to, but... Yeah, but you, it's not like the guys practiced it. It's their first time doing it. You can tell their skill just from doing it for the first time, right? Well, they got, like, a little practice the day before. They all did, like, 20 pucks each. and But, but it's like, who, who practices shooting it off a 30-foot platform? No. And it, a little bit of luck associated with it, you would think, right? Yeah. But, I, you know, I think it's something different, and the NHL's trying, right? They're trying to, to make the All-Star game fun, and, and especially for the kids. You know, I think the kids really enjoyed that. What do you think of the women's game? I, I enjoyed it. I, I told you that was the most intense All-Star game I've seen. I, I love that, uh, you know, it was a 2-1 game, if I'm not mistaken. And the intensity, obviously, players are back-checking. Um, you can really see the skill and the speed of the women. And, uh, you know, I love that the NHL is promoting women's hockey because, uh, you know, some, I, I, to be honest, I think one, one of the most intense rivalries between two teams and, and it ends up being two countries is USA, Canada. And, uh, you know, the NHL did a good job of promoting it. They were serious about it too. Before the game, it's all pictures and, selfies and and all that stuff uh you know they a lot of them met the players and and had like a jersey exchange with some of the guys and everything mm -hmm. but once once the game got going like these girls were fierce like they wanted to beat each other for sure and the, the canadian goalie actually stood on her head she was yeah. player of the game by yeah, far which good. i don't know if they like that I, i'm sure they wanted a high scoring game to kind of showcase the skill and the speed but it but both teams were playing to win that's the problem like they were back checking they were like playing hard so it, it was a good showcase. And I know some people complained it was a little bit long and it dragged out the whole skills competition, but these women deserve a, a platform to showcase their, their talent and their skills. Right. And it's a different game than the men's. Let's be honest. It's, it's, you know, it's not as fast as the men's. It's not as mm -hmm. skilled, but it's still super entertaining. And they're 100%. still really, really skilled at their sport. So people got to keep that in mind. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I really enjoyed watching the women's, but, um, you know, I think, like I said, as the games went on, um, the final game of the men's was, it was, uh, it was intense. And, uh, you know, to be honest, the All-Star game, like you said, it's for the kids and, you know, the guys enjoy doing it and just, just let, we're trying to sell the game and, and have fun with it. Um, now the guys have to prepare for the second half of the season. So I get why some guys weren't going balls out, but at the same time, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's for the fans and it's, and it's just to enjoy it and, and enjoy it with your family. Kess and Juice will be in Sunrise, Florida next year, broadcasting live from the All-Star game, you think? Yes. Yeah, we will. You're listening to the Kess and Juice podcast. Our next guest, 2,400 plus games coached, husband of Judy, uh, father of Ricky Jr., Ryan and Kristen, played hockey once upon a time. In the second round, he was drafted in 1975. Six years as a defensive forward, and I'll ask him if he thinks he knows why I'm calling him a defensive forward when, I, when we talk about his stats. He, uh, 
He found his knack, though, coaching, and he's coached in five decades now. Started in the late 80s. He's now the head coach of the Dallas Stars, and he's been an assistant coach for over 24 seasons. We had the pleasure of having him for seven years in Vancouver. Who was he, Cass? Rick Bonus, also known as Bones. The one and only. How's it going, Bones? Everything's great, thanks. How are you guys? Let's go back to Judy. Judy was like and still is the ultimate hockey mom and wife, yeah. correct? Like she's like the mom of the whole really? team and all the wives. Yes, she is. And you know what? We've been together since we were 16. Uh, so she's been through this whole journey with me of, uh, I don't know how many years now, 45 years in the pros as a player, as a coach. So uh, she's been through it all. And the remarkable thing about Judy is that there's a lot of remarkable, th- remarkable things about her. And you're right, she is the mom. She's the go-to for all the wives to talk to. She has never once complained to me about all the moves. Never once in her life and our lives together has she ever said, well, Rick, maybe you should try doing something else. Because getting sent to the minors like I did as often as I did, getting fired as often as I have, working in so many organizations. Never once has she complained about the moves. She just said, okay, where are we going next? So among her many... Amazing qualities, that is that stands out for me. She's been an amazing woman and amazing support for me through all these years. But she hasn't done a good job in everything. She is probably responsible for your wardrobe, is she not? (laughs) (laughs) She is, yeah, and that she... If, if you must know the truth, she's been cutting my hair in the last couple of years because I hate going to a barber. <laughs> I hate going to a barber and sitting there and talking for 15, 20 minutes. So she's been doing that. But yes, she whatever she puts out, I wear. I, there's not even, she buys it and she picks it out and she lays it out and I put it on. We don't even have a discussion about it anymore. And when I go on the road, she's nice and thoughtful enough to make sure the right ties with this shirt and they're on top of each other so I don't screw it up. Well, what about, me, so. <laughs> yeah, Cass, has, Cass, what do we, when we think of Bones and his wardrobe, what do we think of? Uh, first thing that comes to mind is the Reggie Dunlop jacket that he always used to wear. <laughs> you still got that, Bones? No, I think she threw that out. I think, <laughs> I think she got tired of it too, but that was a great road jacket. On the, I never wore it behind the bench. I might have been, maybe once I snuck it in there. When I was a, the only way I'd get that out of the house is if I wore it on the road. But uh, I that was a great road jacket for the airplane. Anyways, you guys didn't like it very much. I get it. Oh, we, lo- we love that jacket. <laughs> that that ahead. must be one of the few things I bought. <laughs> thank god thank god for for judy's sake but we have we have so many good stories and memories with you over our career but let's start with a quick hockey question just mentioned you've been coaching for five decades right bones like you started in the late 80s you're still going strong no, actually kevin my my first coaching gig was in november of 83 wow so I, I was playing as a player coach in the minors for the winnipeg jets and in 83 in November, they fired Tom Watt and they put in very long. You guys would never remember these names. And then they asked me to retire and come up and be an assistant coach. So they, I was 28 years you old. retire? Yeah. Like, hey, well, Rick, then it was my you retire? <laughs> <laughs> You're not very good anymore anyway. Hey, just 1983 <laughs> was before I was born, Rick. But uh, yeah, is that like when you I were – when you were uh, player coach is that when you actually bought the uh reggie dunlop jacket 
<laughs> no, I couldn't afford it back then. I think I, I couldn't afford it until I went to Vancouver. <laughs> so, so talk about like you're gonna get. We're gonna chirp you about this jacket for the rest of your life. That's so, right. but talk about talk about like from the nineteen mid nineteen eighties until now. Like the game has changed so much, right? Bones, you've been there forever. You've seen so much. You've seen so many different players and teams, and some of your most successful teams. I think were probably Van and Tampa, right? Those are probably your two yeah, of your yeah. best. What what has changed yeah. in the last thirty years? Like, what are some of the? It's a well, tough question for you, but you're a smart guy. I'm sure you could put an answer together. Well, this when I first started coaching, we, we there was very little video in the game. Um, so then we got thank God chance tapes. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so that's that's changed a lot. There's there's so much more video work now for coaches and, and, and yeah, I know some players like video, some players don't. Um so that that's a big change in the game. How we teach the game is is totally different. We find the younger generations coming into the league now that they don't have the hockey sense that maybe when you guys first broke in had well you guys both had good hockey sense. So we, we find there's a lot more teaching now. The, the attitudes of the players, we know this generation, like you've got to deal with them. You've got to be a lot more patient dealing with them. And it's, it's a little more velvet gloves now than it used to be. The game itself is so much faster now than it was 15, 20 years ago. And talking to the guys that even played in the 80s and 90s, they know, they see how fast the game is today. The skill level of the players is, 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 is better than in, in terms of a whole league. And that's why you have so much parity in our league today. So th- there's been a lot of changes to the game. The fundamentals of the right way to play the game have not changed. Everything else about the game has. And uh, the players, again, they're faster, they're bigger, they're stronger. They're not as the hockey sense isn't as there. Um, I think the the passion level to play the game hard isn't there as on a consistent basis that uh, it used to be. Um, yeah, there's been a lot of changes to the game, but it's still the best game in the world, and it's still the game, the fundamentals of our game, no matter what happens in the future, will never change. There's a right way to play, and there's a wrong way to play, and that'll never change. So let's talk about your coaching style then. So it's it's adapted. Cass, like, what are your, some of your good stories from when Rick was our coach for, for eight years? You know, uh, what, I, what I love most about, about Bones is, is he's a great coach, but, but he's a better human being he he's the only coach out of all the coaches that calls me um that texts me asks me how my kids are and he knows them by name um some of my head coaches i don't even think knew my names the last couple of years knew my kids names <laughs> so just just that and you want to play for a guy like rick and you want you you want to bend over backwards and uh, because you don't want to let him down right but I think the one time that stands out for me, I don't know if you remember this, Rick. We, uh, we were in Calgary staying at, I think it was the Sheridan. And there, there was that little hole in the wall across the street from Joey's, that bar. And you took me to there. And do you remember what we talked about? I do. Yeah, uh, remind me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, you know what? No, honestly, I, I, I do remember going there with you. You were struggling. Yeah, I, yeah. I was struggling. And, and I remember I, taking you there. Yeah, yeah, and you you basically, you were a sounding board for me, and I got super emotional, and I put a lot yeah. of pressure on myself, and, and you were you were like a stepdad to me. You, I was able to talk to you and, and 
talked through my frustrations and you told me not to cheat the game and to, to only worry about myself and not try to do everybody else's position and just do me and I'll, I'll get out of that. And to be honest, I use that for the rest of my career. And, um, you know, I, I remember you taking the centers and the D's out for beers you know, a couple times, three, four PK times guys. It was PK yeah. guys and, and D, right? Because they're the only responsible guys on the yeah. team. And, uh, <laughs> like, those small things, and those are things away from the game. I'm not even talking, like, how you coach. The way you coach is, I, I believe, is why you're still coaching and, and why you're, you're a head coach to this day is, is because of, of how personable you are, but how, how you've, you've adapted your coaching style over the years. And, uh but hold on a sec, Cass. I, I was a D, so I played right <laughs> b- underneath Bones's nose for, for seven years, right? Like, I got away with absolutely nothing, right? But I, I echo a lot of the things you said. But there was one meeting in particular that I remember with Bones. And there's a bunch of meetings I remember. But there was one we had. And remember, we first did the video room in Vancouver. And we had, like, the big yeah. projection stream. And I remember we were going through a really tough phase of the season and you called all the D end bones, just the D and you went through and you're like, just sit there, shut up and watch. And you went through maybe three clips of every single defenseman making terrible plays. And then you said, then you went around the room and you're like, Willie, Willie Mitchell, your job is to stop the other team's top friggin' line. Schneids, your job is to get off the ice when the other team's top line is on and let Willie do his job. <laughs> You're like, Juice, you better shut your mouth and stop talking back to me on the bench. <laughs> Eagle, you better, like, you better wake the heck up. You know, like, you were, you were firm and you were hard on us, but I guarantee you none of us left that meeting saying Bones is an idiot because there were so many other good meetings that we had. And, and I'm just going to tell this other good story now, Bones, after you just ripped me a new one. <laughs> but there's, there's a picture I sent you last night of me on the ice. Yeah. Uh, one knee and you over me. I'm pretty sure this is the thing I'm thinking of. That was kind of just before the, the long run we went on. And I was, again, like Cass, I was going through a tough time. And I remember I went from like 24 minutes a night down to 22, down to 20. And my game wasn't there. And you guys were taking ice time away from me. And I was in a tough spot. And I remember one practice, I'm just sitting on my knee after practice. And I'm just like Cass, right? Like I'm thinking about everything and I'm emotional. And you came over and we'll post this picture. And you got down to my eye level and you said, what's going on? And I, same thing. I think that's the only time I was ever emotional with you. And I said, you guys are phasing me out. You guys are taking away my ice time. I know I'm not an idiot. I know what's going on. You're going to get rid of me. And you like totally reassured me. No, like we care about you. You're a big part of the team. You're not playing your best right now. So it's our job to try to get the best out of you. Do you remember that one at all? Not to put you on the spot. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. So when you sent me that picture last night, I said, oh, my God, I remember that conversation, too. And, yes, Cass, I do remember taking you out for, the, for a beer in the bar there. <laughs> yeah. But those are the things I like to do. Like, you know, I, I know I probably early in my coaching career, I was probably a lot more, uh, I don't know, out of control at times. But I thought as I aged, I, 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 I realized the importance of you've got to, you know, you, you've got to trust the players. They've got to trust you. And it's not all about the, the, this, this, the game. You've got to, you've got to treat them as human beings, as people, which they are first and foremost. And you've got to build a trust away from the game. So that's why I always like to take you guys for beers and talk to you guys like that. And I still do that today. And I, um, yeah, no, I enjoy that. But 
you know me. You, you got to care about your players. You got to care about their careers. You got they got families. I saw you guys young. You got married. You had kids. We went all through those years of all you guys, and that's you know that's that's been the fun part of when you look back at a career. Like I love that those years in Vancouver working with you guys. And but again, as a coach, you've got to build that trust, and you've got to build some kind of a a firm relationship off the ice so that you can t- have those talks. And you're not, you know, you're talking more as a, as a consult, as a consultant, as in the, more than and a friend, more than just a coach. So I, I like, I, I still do that. And I still enjoy those things about the coaching part of the game. But again, as a coach, you've got to care about your players for me. And I, you guys know what I think of you too. So. What about when you poke up? Uh, you know, that, that, that's a positive. Remember that? Tell that Cass. Yeah. So, uh, that, that brings me into, uh, you used to always call Juice and I brothers and uh, stepbrothers. And do you remember the time pregame skate where I had a broken foot and I didn't know it yet? And, and allegedly, was, allegedly. Confirmed. And, and Juice was firing pucks at, from the other end. This is like end of pregame skate. And he's taking slap shots at me. And then full on yeah. slap shots at each other. And I think uh, Jeff Tambellini comes up to you and is like, watch these guys. And then you yeah. had to break up a fight. Do you remember this? <laughs> I do remember. You know, that was funny. I was telling Cogs when you guys asked me to go on this podcast. I was telling Cogs about that story. And that was you guys were roommates on the road before you got your single rooms. And uh-huh. then I remember I was telling Cogs, I remember I had a problem break up a fight. <laughs> it was a morning <laughs> skate and they were going to go at it. <laughs> but yeah, but that's kind of like uh, you saw Keith. Keith. Keith, I'm not saying we're Keith and Taze, but you see that the other day, right? Or a week ago. It's the same thing. Yeah. Like our, our yeah. team, and Bones, I try to tell the kids that I coach now, the best teams I played on were those years where me, Cass, Burr, Willie, we would battle the crap out of each other in practice all the way to the line where we wanted to fight each other. And then afterwards, we'd walk yeah. out of the rink like hand in hand and go out for lunch together. Yeah. And that made us all better, yeah. right? You know, that's the passion. That's the passion that you, that's what made both of you great players. It's one thing to have the skills and everything else, but man, you got to have that passion because the passion drives you to the next level. So you guys had it. Maybe it went a little overboard that morning, but that was okay. <laughs> what about, uh, you put your coach. That's what makes you special. Yeah. We're cast is special. That's for sure. You've, uh, uh, there we you've, go. You've coached with like 16,000 coaches before bones. Hard to narrow it down. I'm sure you enjoyed it all. But like, is there one coach that stands out that you really just meshed with, or coaches, or staff? You know, yeah, it was it was Elaine. Elaine and I worked together in Ottawa before we worked together in uh, in Vancouver. But uh, when we brought in Newell Brown, and and Newell made this comment to me, he says, "You know, Bones, it was about two months into it. He says, I can't believe this. You and you and Elaine, you yell and scream at each other, you go at it." And we're like you two at the end of the meeting. You walk out and you're hand in hand and you agree on everything. So you're like an old married couple. You go battling at each other. And then when it's over, you walk out the door and we're all on the same page. I, I think we shocked Newell and how the, the arguments that we used to have. So he would sit in those meetings and hear Elaine and I going at it. And he'd just shake his head. And I think we intimidated him for a while, but yeah, I think he just got used to it. But. No, Alain and I worked really well together. But, you know, it, it came to the point when we did leave Vancouver, and it was time. We were there seven years. And he went to the Rangers, and he really wanted me to go with him. But I didn't want to get that label, okay, you're, you and Alain are tied together. 
so that's why when I ended up going to Tampa, um, just, you know, I just didn't want that. You, you, Elaine has a job, you're tagging along with them. So we kind of went our different ways then, but we're still in, in touch. He sent me a text last night after we beat, uh, after we beat Tampa, but so we're still good friends. We still stay in touch, but yeah, Elaine and I worked along. We, we worked pretty well together. I thought, I hope you guys all felt the same, but I really enjoyed working with them. And you know why we challenged each other. It's like you two challenging each other. We challenged each other. And I really enjoyed that. Hey bones. I, I really appreciate you coming down or, or coming on the show. I, uh, you know, you know what I think of you. You're, you're, you're a great human being and a, and a great coach. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm pulling for you guys to do some good things this year and, and, uh, you know, tell Cogs I said hi. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can have you on the show again later on. Not, oh, Perry too. Yeah. yeah, Perry too. Say, yeah. say hi to Perry. Yeah, well, I will for sure. And thanks for having me on. And, you know, the high regard I hold for both of you guys. As I told you, Kevin, like you guys are, Two of our adopted kids. <laughs> so I love working <laughs> with you, and uh, I miss working with you guys, and I hope you're both doing well. You and your families are both doing well. But anytime you need me on your show, let me know. It's always a pleasure. Thanks, guys, for listening again today. Good job, Cass. You're good Thanks, today. Buddy. Yeah, I know. Getting better. Same, same time next week? Let's do it. I uh, can't wait. Kessandjuice.com is our website. Uh, at Ryan, or sorry, at Kess and Juice Twitter, at KBX at three, at Ryan underscore Kessler. You know where to find us. We're active. We're crushing it. We're gonna keep going. And you know what? We're listening to a lot of your your mentions and your comments. Yeah. And we're figuring out exactly what we're gonna do with it. I think we if there's good questions, we will talk about them and then send you a little prize, maybe some swag. Yeah, I like that. Let's do that. Yeah. Keep the keep the comments coming. Just don't make them stupid. <laughs> and by stupid, he means stupid. Yeah. See you next week, guys.